0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, because we live. We, live. we live. I
1: have an angry face to my left, Doug Branson all the way out safe in Nashville. I don't feel like I am safe in the studio today. I've got an angry face and it's going to be fiery, even if it is a Monday, not a in studio. Not I'd. I already ask. hate Mondays. This is uh, this is what I mean. It's the time I'm supposed to ask how you're doing. Oh, I already know good. the answer. To I'm this. not
0: good. I'm not happy. I am perturbed. I am like I, you know what? There's a duality to me today. It's almost like I got two different people running the show. That's how bad it is right now. I, again, there's a duality. There, I may be bipolar. The Hornets may have made me bipolar. <laughs> I am that upset right now.
1: We knew that Kimball Walker was going to go to the Boston Celtics. We talked about it last week. It seemed like a done deal. Now it is as far as the agreement goes. None of these deals that are reported are official yet until July 6th, when free agency will officially begin, but... You guys do know where these players intend to sign unless you got some DeAndre Jordan stuff that happened, just like when he decided to go away from the Mavericks after agreeing to him, then it is going to be official. That would be the only thing that could happen with a lot of these players. Kimba Walker put out a piece on the Players' Tribune. You should read it. He had a headline in his tweet that this was tough. Um, kimba has gone, and a lot of people are extremely frustrated that he signed a four-year, $141 million deal with the Boston Celtics. And it wasn't necessarily just a free agent acquisition for the Boston Celtics. It was actually a trade that went down between the Hornets and the Celtics. It was a sign-and-trade. The deal is part of a sign-and-trade with the Hornets, who are adding point guard Terry Rozier on a three-year, $58, $58 million deal for the former Louisville You had to Louisville repeat it twice just to rub it in, didn't you? I don't want to rub it in. I don't love the money on this contract. The Celtics target Walker. The number one priority in free agents after they did have Kyrie Irving leave, and they knew he was going to be gone, and the Charlotte Hornets they needed a body at point guard. There were not any names that were attractive out there in order to bring on, so they decided to bring Terry Rozier on a big boy contract. And it's another contract that does not seem good. A lot of people hate the Terry Rozier edition. Nada. What do you hate specifically about it?
0: Here, here's you know what? It's not that I hate Terry Rozier. No, wait, that's a lie. I might. Too, um, that might be not true. <laughs> I am of the mind that if you were going to say goodbye to Kemba Walker, first things first, don't lowball him. Don't, again, he has done entirely too much for this team, for this franchise, for this city. Don't lowball him. If you weren't going to sign him, if you were going to drive him away, the best thing that you could have done was just not offer him anything and just have that have a nice little statement more than a paragraph give him a full page he's earned it let's do let's start there
1: the paragraph you're alluding to is a statement put out by both Michael Jordan and Mitch Kupchick I'll read him Michael Jordan has his statement out quote on behalf of the entire Hornets organization I want to thank Kemba for eight incredible seasons with our franchise he always represented the Hornets the NBA and the city of Charlotte with class both on the court and in the community and we're disappointed he's leaving. He's a special player with a tremendous heart and tireless work ethic. Kimba is a truly, is truly one of the best to ever play for our team. We wish him and his family all the best in the future. Mitch Kupchak just real quick, uh, quickly also put, it is hard to gain a true understanding of someone until you are around them on a regular basis. And I have enjoyed my time with Kimba over the year that I have been here after watching him in practice, seeing him interact with his teammates and getting to know him. It quickly became apparent that he is a special player in person we thank him for his contributions to our franchise and our community and wish him continued success in the future. Those are the two paragraphs by Michael Jordan and by Mitch Kupche.
0: And that's all you had. That's all you had. That's all your, That's all the writers could come up with. It's not like we. he doesn't have a whole bunch of highlights. He's got hits, folks. He's got number one hits with a bullet here. And th- that's <laughs> the most you could do was a paragraph. Each. Like, Mitch, I get it. He's only here for a year. Mike, come on now.
1: So... Here's my thoughts on the Terry Rozier trade. Everybody is giving this sign and trade an emphatic F. Terry Rozier coming yes. in exchange for Kimba Walker. And, of course, without the context of Kimba leaving anyway, yeah, you would never do just a straight-up player-for-player trade along with some sort of compensation going back to the Celtics, which we don't know what that's going to be yet, whether it's some second-round pick or just some kind of cash considerations. Correct? Do we know anything about what's we going on over We do not there?
0: know. And if it's a pick... So, basically, not only are you, again, not only are you not learning from any of the sins of your past, you're overpaying a Terry Rozier, you're also giving away assets as a rebuilding team that you cannot do. You can't under any circumstance. Not only are you doing that, you're doing that. And then, of of course, you're not getting the better player in the deal. So, someone help me, again, someone help me make sense of
1: this I don't get it the only reason the Hornets would do it because this is the only way that they can get Terry Rozier if they are locked in on getting him this is the only way they could do it because they wouldn't have the money to sign him if it was just a normal free agent addition and so that's the reason because the Celtics could just let go of Terry Rozier and they could pick up Kemba Walker and the Hornets would not have any of these guys they wouldn't have Terry Rozier and they couldn't do anything so that's the reason that the Hornets are going to do it to me the trade is not an emphatic F and here's why Oh, I want to hear this I don't think it's good. Okay. I would rather not have the contract on the books. I don't Agreed. want Terry. I don't want Terry Rogier on this team. I would rather have Kimball Walker uh, be gone for nothing, Agreed. at least right now. Right. Like given the situation we're in, not that we shouldn't have traded him. I, I get that entire, I get that entire conversation. I would rather Kimball Walker be gone from this team without having that contract here. If I had to give it a grade, I would give it like a D plus. Okay. Which isn't, which isn't good. But here, here's the reason that I don't think it's an emphatic F. Because I've seen a lot of thoughts out there that the Charlotte Hornets, if you're going to lose Kemba, then just straight up suck. Don't do anything to try to make your team better. And the thing is, Terry Rozier is not going to make this team a playoff contender for sure. And he's not going to even make them the 10th seed in the East. Like Terry Rozier is not that good. Agreed. And let's say that he gives this team a couple more wins and he actually shows some consistency then that means he just gets closer to the value of his contract at $20 million, which is basically just a little bit less than that. And Terry and they're still going to get a higher draft pick. Terry Rozier is a dude that is talented. I and mean, we do see the ability to score, even though he was bad last year. Yes. There is an argument that Terry Rozier was miscast at a different position in a situation that they were full of point guards. Terry Rozier did show out in an impressive playoff debut when he Actually, playoff debut as far as taking time from Kyrie Irving, who was in. Yes, exactly. So he averaged 16 points in that postseason run when Kyrie Irving was out. And there were some real good, scary Terry type of games. There at least is that to take from this. It's one of those deals that I do kind of equate to D'Angelo Russell. So when you look at D'Angelo Russell's first three years in the league, they were very similar inefficient numbers. They were a little bit more efficient than Terry Rozier. Mind you, they were. But they were still very inefficient, and it was still a a chance that you took on a player that was considered young. Now, it's not exactly D'Angelo Russell. I'm not saying it's exactly like him because D'Angelo was a slightly bit uh, more efficient, and he was younger. Yeah, But still, I think the argument against that is that, well, Terry Rozier just didn't get out of his situation as fast as D'Angelo did. D'Angelo got out of his situation faster, heading to Brooklyn, therefore actually being a good player this season. I don't think Terry's going to be that. I'm just saying it's kind of like that where you take a chance on a guy that maybe he does become a good player. And let's say that he is good. This is a team that's not going to lose the opportunity for a high draft pick because Kimba was really good and they were a nine seed last year. They were... Not a playoff team the last three seasons, so this is not going to be a team that doesn't know the direction they're going. This is a team that's still rebuilding. This is a team that's still tanking. They take a chance on a younger point guard with some kind of flash, and I would rather not have the contract. Terry Rozier is not worth eighteen to $20 million. He's just not, and I'm not going to argue that. But I'm not going to say that this is emphatic fail. I just wish they wouldn't have done it. I can see some things that are okay with it.
0: I, I, I guess my issue with this entire thing, because while you said while you do acknowledge that Terry Rozier is older, and I completely understand, I completely yeah, get he's 25 that. years old. He's right 25 now. years old. Most guys like that, they are who they are at yeah. that point. And we're talking about coming out of a Brad Stevens system where they could make anybody look good, any point guard
1: look. Good. Well, and to be fair, they did when Kyrie wasn't playing, and he was in his third season. You're right, though. I mean, it's not like you should bank on every player after their fourth season in the NBA to take a step up in a big way the next season.
0: And on top of that, the career true shooting percentage being under 50%. That is very troubling to me. On top of the fact that if you were willing to move all heaven and earth with all the money that you were trying to do, and with that number being one... I feel comfortable saying with the number being five for 175 with Kemba Walker. I... If you were willing to do all these machinations, I think it should have been a lot easier just to keep Kemba Walker and ride it out. I think they're feeling it right now. The other thing though, and this is this is the thing that bugs me the most about this, because before this we had heard we me and you had been talking off wax about Emmanuel Moutier probably being the replacement here.
1: One of those guys, right? Like Schmidt, yeah, Saturansky, maybe. Yeah. yeah, One of those backup point guards.
0: One of those guys was going to be the replacement. We had never heard Terry Rozier up until what? About Sunday? Saturday, yeah. Late Saturday, Sunday? Right after the Kemba News came out? That sounds like they panicked and got a whole bunch of season ticket holders that decided, I want nothing to do with this. And I'm going to go get me a backup point. I'm going to go get myself a backup plan, and we're going to overpay Terry Rozier. That's of, what scare me scares me the
1: most. A lot of people angry with the Charlotte Hornets after getting Terry Rozier. He does sign a three year, forty eight million dollar excuse me, three year fifty eight million dollar contract. Forty eight would have been a lot nicer. Three year fifty eight million dollar contract, almost at twenty million annually. It's a bad contract, and. Uh, We'll see exactly just how it plays out. Hopefully that there is some kind of consistency to Rozier's game, but he hasn't demonstrated that the first four seasons of his career with the Boston Celtics It's a locked on Hornets podcast on the locked on podcast network. Hornets lost another fan favorite. Just a sad day. (laughs) It's a sad, it's a sad off season. I don't know if we expected it to be this bad, but uh, perhaps you were able to get yourself a little bit um, mentally prepared for what could come this off season. We'll talk a little about it. We'll talk about it. We'll vent about it a little bit more next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell, like stuffed animal type thing? Yes, I do. I got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for New Orleans. I, look, I love me some Eldon Campbell, but is that, is they, that the they were just They were clearing everything out of the house because it
0: was whatever they gave to the fans that night, they didn't have to take with them to New Orleans.
1: Get more Hornets analysis on lockedonhornets.com. All right, now it's the other bad news. People often ask would you rather have the good news or the bad news first? I mean, in this case it's just bad it's news all and bad, bad news. I don't know what
0: anybody was expecting. The pain was coming, guys.
1: Jeremy Lamb was the second best player on this Hornets roster last season. I don't think there's really any question. Maybe in the first half you could argue that it was Tony Parker, the way that he played in fourth quarters. But even then it was close, and then the second half came. Tony didn't play that many games, and Jeremy was throwing up half-court heaves to win games against the Toronto Raptors and buzzer-beating three-point shots.
0: Yeah, that that was – yeah. Jeremy Lamb became a functional sixth man, and he goes to the Pacers.
1: Indiana Pacers signed Jeremy Lamb – to what is surprisingly a pretty cheap deal considering what I thought he was going to get. So he gets a three-year deal where basically he's just making $10 million annually. And I thought it was going to be three, uh, 13 to $15 million for some basketball team to reel him in as a guy that is certainly a reliable scorer off of the bench. He could be a sixth man or a good seventh man on any team and even start for you and still be just fine as an NBA starter where he'd be able to certainly get you double-digit scoring. And here's Jeremy Lamb signing for $10 million annually with the Indiana Pacers. It's a little bit less than I thought, Nada.
0: It's a lot less than I thought because I was with you on that. I was thinking he was going to get $15 million. I mean, Ricky Rubio got three for fifty one. We're talking about people that have been dramatically overpaid this so far this season. And then he comes in with an undermarket value for a team that is suddenly really, really stacked. Like, Orla- Indiana's going to be a really, really good team going forward.
1: And that has to be frustrating for Hornets fans because anytime you see small market teams be able to get out of a bind, the Pacers... I don't even know if they got out of a bind. Their bind was when they lost Paul George and they executed that trade perfectly. And they got destroyed for it. Yes. By getting Sabonis and Oladipo. And now you're talking about Oladipo, an All-NBA player when healthy, hopefully he's able to return to full health. And Sabonis, who if they want to trade as they develop Goga b to play alongside Miles Turner, they can do that with a lot of assets to come in return for Sabonis or Miles Turner if that's the guy that they decide to trade. But the Pacers have been... So well run. And that was shocking to see that Malcolm Brogdon was going to be an Indiana pastry yesterday.
0: Exactly. No, that was a surprise too, because all the all it cost them was two uh one first and two seconds on that. So you're talking about you've managed to retool as a small market, stay under the cap, stay under the well, stay under the tax at least. Right. And still manage to improve the team. Gee, I wonder where that's needed.
1: Well, and then you see the Miami Heat be able to get off Hassan Whiteside's deal as of just reported uh, of this recording just 15 minutes ago, maybe 30 minutes ago. Yep. Miami Heat, they're going to be trading Hassan Whiteside to the Portland Trailblazers in exchange for Myers-Leonard and I forget who else they are going to get back in that trade. I need to look Mo it up. Harkless. Yep, Mo Harkless, correct. So both of those guys going to Miami. This, of course, is to try to make the Jimmy Butler acquisition work out and a potential sign and trade that you would have with the Philadelphia 76ers, sending Jimmy Butler to the Heat, but also sending Josh Richardson and maybe a couple of other pieces to Philadelphia.
0: It's a crazy time right now in the Southeastern Division right because you've got Atlanta that's continually building organically. Miami is on that, we're not tanking for any sort of reason because of Pat Riley. You're also talking about Orlando, which has brought back the band, which is something that is yeah. a Steve Cliffordism. And now you have the Hornets, which we have no idea who's running what right now.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. One that I wanted to pivot to as well. People are angry. At Michael Jordan. It seems like more than they are at Mitch Kupchak. And Michael Jordan is somebody that constantly gets the blame. I always... Look, I don't think Michael Jordan is a good owner. I don't think he's a good one. I always thought that it was a little overblown that okay, why are we absolving Rich Cho for some of this stuff? Why are we absolving Mitch Kupchak for some of this stuff? And and, and I'm a believer in Mitch Kupchak. I think this is overall a bad move to bring in Terry Rogier. I see some of the understanding more than other people do. But overall, I think this is a bad move. What? Why are we so sure that this is Michael's doing? Now, I do think that this is Michael's doing to let go of Kimba. Because, yes. it, because if you're not going to pay the luxury tax, that's a Michael thing. Okay, That's the owner yeah. thing, and I get that. I get why people would be mad at Michael for not doing that. But as far as, hey, acquiring Terry Rozier, I could see Mitch Kupchak saying, hey, man, we need a body at point guard. I like Devonte Graham. We'll give him a lot of run, but he ain't ready to do all of this. And I want some type of entertainment out there because we do want people to buy some sort of tickets, even though that seems far fetched right now. And Terry Rozier can provide at least some entertainment. What do you think about bringing him in the max rule or the minimum rule? I should say in a sign and trade is that you have to have three years to the, to that deal. They don't all have to be guaranteed. But you, if you were going to get Terry Rogier and you were adamant about getting him, then it had to be three years on the contract that he would sign because that's just the rules of a sign and trade. I so agree. okay, maybe you run all that by him, and then Michael's like, okay, because owners have to sign off on everything. Mm-hmm. But it's just you know everybody trying to pin the responsibility on a lot of different people, the criticism a lot of different people, except. Everyone seems to be doing it with Michael. I just wonder, well, I mean, Mitch Kupchak too, guys, right? I mean, Mitch Show back in the day. No, no,
0: no. Like, I get what you're saying. I really, I really wish I couldn't blame Jordan on this. But the way that this has been done has been so disorganized from the low ball offer. If that was all you can offer him, then you should have gotten rid of him. We know that that was a Jordan. If they were going to trade Kemba... That was gonna be a Jordan thing. That stays to Jordan. Now, also, if you were going to lowball him and you knew the number, that's a Jordan thing. Now, where this gets kind this goes kind of sideways, where this could be a Mitch, this can be a Buzz uh, again, a Buzz Williams thing too. Cause again, assistant GM. This can Buzz be Buzz Peterson, a, right? Yeah, Buzz Peterson thing. Not Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams is in um Texas A. Texas Ana. But this could be a Buzz Peterson.
1: <laughs> Blame thing. him if you want, though.
0: Yeah, no, no. I'm blaming everybody. We we <laughs> sprain. At this point, this is where it gets kind of funny because how does it go from everybody in the media, everybody in the local Charlotte media thinking that Moutier was the guy and was basically given every single indication that Moutier was the guy. And then it turns into, oh, we're going to pay for 20 million, damn near 20 million dollars of Terry Rozier.
1: If you were to play toss up and which guy would you rather pay at their contracts? Would it be Jeremy it's Lamb or well, Terry, I'm just going to go Jeremy Lamb or Terry Rozier. I think you have to go Jeremy Lamb for yes. sure, because he's the better player mm-hmm. and he's on a, a better contract. The one thing I'll say about that though, is that Jeremy Lamb is a better player. And if you get rid of Kimba, then the object is certainly to tank and Jeremy Lamb probably helps you a little bit more than Terry Rogier does. And it's not the type of contract that is somewhat of a big risk that could pay off and a little bit bigger. Like, you know what Jeremy lamb is right now. I mean, yes, maybe you do. I, I don't, is there any, may, is there any more increase for him? Like, is there a, a higher ceiling for him to reach? There
0: is a higher, higher ceiling, but it wasn't going to be on a team without Kemba. And we're also taking away agency from a guy like Jeremy lamb. We're, we're going to see his best friend go off and get traded and go somewhere else. And then we're gonna think that they're not going to, like, we're gonna think they're again. He's gonna want to stay, right? Like, I, unless you were gonna pay him the fifteen million dollars he was looking for, I don't see it. I, I, I honestly don't see yeah, him staying,
1: right? Like, people can get mad that the Hornets aren't gonna bring back Jeremy Lamb if it was just ten million dollars annually. Are we sure that Jeremy Lamb stays with the Hornets for ten million dollars annually? Because He's got to be asking for more money than that, right? He's got gotcha. to, and, and he and he would get it on a different market with a more attractive roster. Now, Jeremy apparently does love Charlotte. I mean, yes. Apparently, what he loves the he corner loves pub. Darts. Yeah, he, he loves darts. Throwing darts at the local bar just uh down the street over on uh what is it Graham Street? Graham Street, yeah. Yeah, where the corner pub is, and so we know that that was one of his favorite spots. It has his jersey hanging up there, and so I mean, by all accounts, he he was a guy that loved Charlotte. Hell, remember when they did their gender reveal? They had The View building as -hmm. they were standing in Romar Bearden Park. The View lit up in pink. Yeah, exactly. uh, So, I mean, he had Charlotte basically do his gender reveal. But, again, you have to to imagine that Jeremy Lamb would go to a more attractive roster for maybe less money or the same amount. Like, I don't think he's taking that with the Hornets at that time.
0: The one thing I will always wonder about this offseason, and it's the thing that's going to bug me more than anything else, if Michael Kidd Gilchrist... Doesn't have that groin surgery, is he here as well? Because again, that triumvirate—MKG, Lamb, and Campbell Walker—they are awfully tight.
1: Yeah, and how, how much does have him having a kid affect all of this too? Because do you take them? Do you just go ahead and opt in that contract rather than playing somewhere else? And I, I wonder if that would have affected anything. Like, okay, I have a kid now. It's time to go get this big bag that I got.
0: I, I I would have honestly the thing with Michael kidd Gilchrist the thing that I or are you talking about Lamb or MKG
1: well MKG has a kid correct
0: yeah they both had kids right around or, the that's same time that's what I'm saying
1: right that's what I'm saying does that affect him because you would think okay if you're really trying to contemplate, whether you want to stay here or not, you got to think. Well, I, I do have a child getting thirteen million dollars. I don't know. That's that's wild speculation. It is wild, rampant speculation. I'm just it would make sense. I it am-
0: would make sense. But here's the thing: I would, I would, and everyone said he was never going to make that money back. This is my counter to that. He was going to make six million dollars somewhere. I think you can. I think you could take a six million dollar six million dollar hit to be happy somewhere else. I want again. I really do wonder if the groin surgery stopped all of that. And once that happened, then I think you have to really be honest with yourself and say, hey, I'm not even going to be able to do basketball activity till September. I I might need to opt into that $13 million.
1: When you're driving to or from work or around town, all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Hornets, and we will be right there with you for the drive. We'll take a quick break and come back and talk a little bit more about the Hornets role in free agency. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three point line? Oh, did I say Leonard? I meant Miles Turner. Okay. (laughs) You did. I think you said Myers Leonard. That was on me. Sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be the same wavelength. Hot shot. Myers Leonard. (laughs) That's That's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. David Walker putting out there on Twitter that per Danny Relu in the athletic Hornets still have about 13 million under the luxury tax for new additions with 12 players on the roster likely meaning. The front office can use the full $9.3 million non-taxpayer mid-level exception if desired on one or more players. So you do have some money to work with. You do. What's the next move that the Hornets make? Is there another another veteran guy that they bring in? At what position? Is there anything that you've got your eye on, Adam?
0: I still think two guard needs to be addressed. I know that they're probably going to roll Bacon out there. I see him more as a three. And if that's the case... We know McCurry's not coming back. I would honestly expect a two-guard in here. I would have thought that Wayne Ellington would have fit perfectly, a guy that's going to be just good enough to push a Malik Monk. But unfortunately, he signed with uh, the New York Knicks today Hmm. for around similar money, like less than the MLE, which would have worked perfectly for this team. I I expect a two-guard because, again, outside of that, unless you're talking about adding some sort of name, which... With the reactionary way that everything has gone, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I, I again, I I expect a two guard, but yeah, I, I don't know right
1: now. No, I don't know either. I mean, at least they do have some type of money. Vince Carter is a popular name thrown out there. I I, I want to see Vince retire here. It's poetic. You would you would wonder if he'd come to Charlotte, come to North Carolina, where he did play his college ball. Granted, out east, quite a little bit of a drive, but. It is in the city of Charlotte in the state of North Carolina under a North Carolina grad of Michael Jordan. I mean, there would be some things there that Remember I don't know where the was,
0: training camp is, too.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe maybe there's some kind of attractiveness here. You bring up Malik Monk. I'm just looking at how the Hornets are going to look next season with all these guys. They're going to be a bad basketball team. They are. Um, I wonder if that backcourt will ever see Terry Rozier and Malik Monk starting at the 1-2 or at least playing at the 1-2 and two at the same time. Man, that's a lot of bricks. If everything continues to play out the way it has, I, I'm afraid of the Terry Rozier signing. Like, don't get me yeah. wrong. It just, I'm trying to be the voice of reason in, uh, in a nation, in Hornets nation, where everybody is destroying. Like, I'm trying to look at this from a different angle, and I'm with you. I, I share my anger in this. I don't want Terry Rozier's contract on the books. There are some things that I get, as I just previously discussed, but there is one thing that did come to mind. It's like, oh hell. The Hornets just signed Malik Monk. If he doesn't pan out a year from now, and said, "You know what? Screw it. We're going to give him twenty million dollars anyway."
0: Exactly. <laughs> and and that's where I'm like between that, and then I've I've mentioned this a couple of times, primarily on Twitter. Again, Miles Bridges is a clutch sports agent. Again, client. Mm-hmm. So let's say Miles Bridges is the lone star. Let's say say he averages eighteen and seven. He just saw how you did the best player in franchise history. Do you think LeBron, and as much as Rich Paul likes to make names and make bones, if Miles doesn't want to play here anymore, take a guess what's going to happen. Miles is going to not play here anymore. And guess what? Most likely, Jordan and whoever runs the team is going to take it on the chin.
1: I'm interested in this conversation as well. This comes to light with, of course, the low ball offer, quote unquote, to Mm -hmm. Kimball Walker. But also how about Steven Jackson's comments this weekend? When the Big Three was hosted here at the Spectrum Center, Steven Jackson was asked if there was a little bit of a different feeling for him because he's back in Charlotte. Of course, he played here for two years. Is this just another arena to you? Or is there something special about playing back here um, to you? And he said, no, this is just another arena. And he did not look back on his time here in Charlotte very fondly. And then he was asked about the Kimba Walker contract being a quote low ball offer. And Steven Jackson said that Charlotte has a history of not appreciating their players. Steven Jackson was extremely angry when the Bobcats traded Gerald Wallace yes, with him on the team. And he was adamant about that. This wasn't, you know, I wish you would stay here. No, it's what the hell are you doing? Charlotte getting rid of a Gerald Wallace. Now to me, I mean, I don't know if it was the right move at the time. I remember being extremely angry at the Bobcats, but you could see that Gerald Wallace wasn't good anymore after that. No, he and wasn't. The, he wasn't good. It they became, got a haul for it. Uh huh.
0: But they would, and the thing is, and I know we talked about it on Friday. The Hornets got a better haul for Gerald Wallace than they would have for Kemba Walker.
1: This is a question I, I love to discuss because, okay, you look back on that. The trade itself is not bad at all. No, I mean, it's Ger- not. Gerald Wallace sending him out after Gerald Wallace is no, is no longer a good or great player anymore. And that actually would co- turn out to be a bad contract as he would go on, right? Like, that was exactly. a bad contract once he got to Portland, then Boston, then the Nets. And it just, he was bouncing around from team to team. He was not the crash that we knew anymore. And it was a dude that was reckless with his body. It's why we love them so much. But also, it's kind of the football aspect here where... With the concussions. You, yeah. yeah, you use him up. And so, okay... Trading him from a business standpoint, it does it does seem smart. Steven Jackson was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks for Corey Maggette and a couple of other pieces to come back. They also shipped out. It wasn't a good trade. This one's not a great one. But you could see that Steven Jackson, he wasn't good anymore. I mean, he goes to Milwaukee, isn't good, plays for a couple of other teams. You know, it was the right time to move on from him. I don't know if getting rid of the 2000, uh, whatever it was, 19th overall pick that ended up being Tobias Harris. They got yeah. rid of that. So, of course, that doesn't seem to be good when you look at it in hindsight. But as far as dumping Steven Jackson, that's not that bad. Kemba Walker, there's a lot of people that wanted to move on from him, including myself. I thought it was better for the team. But in these moments where you think, okay, You can see the thinking from the business standpoint. It does seem like it's a smarter move for the franchise. How much of this is that the detriment because players talk and you develop this reputation? And how much more detrimental is that going to be to a team like the Hornets because they're mid-market before it is to the Celtics, who also have a reputation of not appreciating their players, yet they're able to land a guy that is one of the most loyal dudes out there in a Kemba Walker that is fascinating to me because to me, they're not bad moves, but yeah, I could see why players are like, nah, they, they, they don't, they don't take care of our own. And that's a problem for me.
0: Here's the thing that I think the Hornets don't get and specifically ownership. You are operating from a, po- a position of weakness. You are a small market team in a town that is the 25th media market. These guys can spin their narrative a whole lot better than you can spin yours right now. Because once they leave and they go to these bigger markets, and if they their experience isn't that great, they're going to have a bigger platform to shout from to let them know, let you know, okay, this is how it went down. This is how I was treated. And the fact that no one seems to get that over there right now. And I, again, and I'm not trying to bash the organization as a whole. There are a lot of guys over there I like. I love Natalie. Again, Natalie from PR, Brian from well, PR. The, P-
1: the whole PR staff is just phenomenal. Is, is,
0: they're phenomenal.
1: Can't say a bad thing about them.
0: Like the, a whole bunch of the communication staff, Sam Purley, Jesse that does all the graphics for those guys. You're
1: talking about a basketball operation standpoint. I'm we
0: talking it. from a basketball operation standpoint. The way that this has been handled has been piss poor for a very long time.
1: Now, it's funny to me that we talk about these other small market teams. And let's just look, let's look at the Pacers band. I think they've done a good job. You know what? You know what that Malcolm Brogdon move reminded me of? Yes. It reminded me of what we talked about with Al Jefferson. Al Jefferson said that he came to Charlotte because the entire market was waiting on Dwight, Dwight Howard, Howard and what yep. they were going to do. And so the Bobcats at that time said, "Al Come to Charlotte. We want to meet with you. To hell with Dwight. We want to meet with you right now, and we're going to take you on as long as you'll have us. We'll have you. We're going to throw all this money at you. You're going to be the focal point of our offense as long as you'll have us. And he was like, man, this is awesome. A team wants me before even a Dwight Howard is even considered. Hell yeah, I'll come to Charlotte. And they know that they don't have a chance at getting Dwight Howard because he's going to go to a different big market market team. So the Hornets, Bobcats, they swoop in at the right time. To me, the Indiana Pacers... like I think that there was certainly a market out there for Malcolm Brogdon. Yes, there was. But there's, but he's not the first guy on everybody's list. It's all about Kawhi, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, even with the injury. Kimba Walker. I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, you're going down the list. It just goes to show you how talented this free agent class was. Yes. But for Indiana to, okay, we're going to focus on Malcolm because we're not going to get any of these other guys. Let's focus on Malcolm. Let's get this shit done. And then we'll move on and try to address the other pieces like a Jeremy Lamb, who is certainly far down on the list. And even a TJ Warren, before all of this gets started, you get him for nothing. It just seems like that small market blueprint works so well with what the Indiana Pacers are doing right now. And you got to see it one time, and it was the best free agent signing ever in Hornet slash Bobcats history. And I, I think it's it was the best two
0: year run. And I remember Chad Buchanan who used to work here. Mm-hmm. Funny how that works out. <laughs> Chad Buchanan was there for those two years and had the bet. One of the better two year runs that we've seen in terms of free agency and player acquisition because, or bet, a better yet three year run. If we're really honest, because you had Al Jefferson, Lance, they traded for Lance. Lance didn't necessarily work out, but what they do, they turn around the following year They go bring in a Jeremy Lamb, a Nick Batum that was still good. They ended up bringing in a Courtney Lee that was still good, Jeremy Lin, a whole bunch of guys that came in and put the best team that this town has seen this millennia. Mm -hmm. They put that together in three years with proper planning. There was a plan in place. And the minute Chad Buchanan left, and the minute that Rich Cho started not to know what he was doing, Now we have this.
1: It does seem like there's more of a plan in place via the draft than there is with the entire direction of what they want to do in free agency and Kimba because it is tough for me to argue that, hey, there's a plan on what they were going to do with Kimba all along because their comments – conflicted what they actually did with kimba it does seem like the miles bridges the pj washington the switchability the versatility it seems like there's a plan there it doesn't seem like they have encompassed an entire plan to cover all of the things you have to do as a a person who's in charge of the franchise and
0: that again we we're talking about how we don't have a plan again how there wasn't a plan Mm -hmm. for the for anything and who do you blame that you can lay on mitch That you can, again, that kind of myopic tunnel vision that you can lay on
1: Mitch. All right. We appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We got a lot of other stuff to get to in NBA free agency, but we can talk about that Wednesday. I believe we're going to try to have Brendan Marks of the we Charlotte are. Observer on Wednesday. Um, I Maybe, not. are you going to join us on Wednesday? We're going be to be fine. M- All right. Sweet. We got a whole week of Nada. It's going to be a fire week, not just a fire Friday. There's a lot of stuff to talk about via the Charlotte Hornets, what they did in free agency, as well as the rest of the NBA. Thanks again for joining us. Hopefully, you guys are okay. We'll talk to you later.